Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. And here it is, your Friday, the 20th of March edition of Flyers Daily. Yes, the hockey hiatus is continuing. Friday, March 20th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Chris Terrian will join us in just a second. A couple of notes before we get to Bundy. First and foremost, uh, starting Monday, we will move to a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule for Flyers Daily. And we're going to start uh, a deep dive into a player profile per episode. So looking forward to starting that on Monday. We're going to go through all the players here during the hockey hiatus. So make sure you, you tag along. The episodes will be a little longer, a little bit more in depth. Each episode will have a player profile and also uh, also will have a Twitter segment as well. So we'll be soliciting for questions as we go through this process of the NHL being on pause and any questions you may have and certainly any questions that center around the specific player that we're doing the profile on that day, we will bring uh, to light as well. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, beginning next week. And with this Hyote, it's a great time to bring in, well, he's our ace. We love talking to Chris Terrian. Went through three NHL lockouts, two as a player, one as a broadcaster, and he joins us right now. What's going on, Bundy? Yeah, uh, not much, Jace. Yeah, I'm an ace, all right. I'm an ace in my own sleeve because I've just been hanging out with myself all day. So well, you got the kids at um, home, right? <laughs> they are, yeah, and they're you know they're they're probably you know I mean I'm not different than anybody else in the world right now where the the kids are home. Uh, everybody's kind of congested together. Everyone wants a piece of their own space. So, um, but yeah, listen, we got to get through this. Uh, everybody, uh, families together. And uh, I don't know. I feel like at the end of this, somehow, it's it's going to make us stronger as a country and even as a, as a, a world. I don't want to get too political about any of this or talk about it, but it's, it's certainly trying times. And I know you have three kids at home, too. But, you know, when your kids get sent home from college and they're told at the end of the year it's done, you know, you're going to do your online till the end of the year and there'll be no graduation. And your kids from high school and middle school are home uh, like my other two. It, you know, things get real pretty quick. And yeah. um, and and that's really where we're at. So, you know, you can only only keep doing the right things and um, and staying strong inside the uh, inside your family. And, and hopefully everybody comes out of this stronger. I believe we will. Yeah, I think it's a great point that you make because a lot of times when you go through something like this, and this is, you know, a country going through a world really going through adversity, you can come out on the other side and, you know, you, you get a little bit of perspective, you get your priorities in order a little bit, and maybe, you know, by uh, self-distancing and being at home a lot more with the family, that can bring a family closer together as well. But uh, Bundy, we're talking hockey. It is the hockey hiatus. Yeah. And I, I wanted to get you on because you can provide such an interesting perspective as obviously a former player, but you're a former player that went through a lockout shortened season. You went through an entire missed season. And as a broadcaster, you went through a yet another lockout shortened season, all at different points in your professional life. So, uh, you know, I wanted to get you on because, you know, having gone through this, these are stoppages. I, they're different than pandemics, but from an athlete's perspective, it's a start stop. So it's, it's a tough situation yeah. to deal with. So first and foremost, let me take you back to your rookie year when there was a work stoppage and how you handled it. So set the scene and what happened in your rookie year, the stoppage and what it did to, to you and, and how you handled it. Yeah, so really, really interesting. You know, I come into training camp in uh, in that uh, fall of 94. And of course, there was, you know, there were the numbers were there suggesting that there might like something may happen. And, and again, you know, nobody really believed it. There was a 
uh, you know, a strike, I believe, a couple of years earlier. They got back for, for the playoffs. And um, and anyway, I went to training camp. I was, uh, you know, on this unknown uh, commodity uh, who'd come off the Olympic team. You know, I'd done a different – I'd had a different route and taken a different route than a lot of others. So I came into camp, and Bob Clark had become the new GM, and uh, I'd made the team. I mean, I it was uh, – it was – you know, I was as determined as anybody probably could have been ever at any time. And, you know, and anybody that's ever played in the NHL will tell you when you get that chance and you see it presented to you, you know, you got to be able to jump through that, that, uh, that small tight window, uh, that that's given to you. So, you know, I took advantage of it. I made the team and then you kept on hearing from the leadership group. Immediately I got brought into the veterans meetings about a week after camp. So I was hearing a lot about what was going on about this possible work stoppage. And I thought, ah, this is crazy. Like, this stuff doesn't happen in the real world. It's sports. We're going to play hockey. It's going to happen. And uh, and I'm going to play my first NHL game in two weeks, which is going to be awesome. So I got through training camp. I think I played eight out of the nine games that were available to play that year. I had a great camp. Terry Murray called me into the office the day before they locked us out. Said, we are sending you down to, to Hershey. And I was just like, oh, man. And he said, we're supposed to play on Thursday night. I believe this was on Monday morning, Jace. We're supposed to play Thursday night. He goes, if that game was on, you'd be, you'd be playing that night. So, uh, but we need you to, we need you. So his attitude with me was, you need to keep playing your 21, 22, whatever I was at the time age. Was this coming in my first, I was a rookie first year guy. Hadn't played pro hockey except for a few games in the AHL the year before after the Olympics. Uh, So he, you know, I went down. Uh, positive attitude, um, struggled a little bit when I got down there, believe it or not. I mean, uh, you know, some said, how you do so well? That happens a lot. You know, you get a different attitude. You're prepared to play in the NHL. The work stop happens. Uh, and then my game really did round into form about uh, probably I played 34 games, I think, down there, 35 games, probably about the halfway way point of that, about 16, 17 games. I started getting comfortable. Uh but then, you know, again, you're, you got to play your way back into the league, assuming that the league would start again. So uh, for me, developmentally, Jason, it was great uh, because I was able to go down, um, play hockey, play pro hockey, become more adept with the travel, the, the amount of games that you see, even though you saw the three and three on the weekends. But for me, I, uh, you know, it was really good. I really, really enjoyed it at the end of the day. And right when the lockout ended, uh, three days went by. Uh, before anybody got called up. And then remember, we were all kind of waiting, saying, well, hey, remember, I kept thinking to myself, hey, remember that training camp I had? Remember when you guys really liked me? But <laughs> I never, guys forget about I, it? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, and, and they didn't. Uh, I didn't know that. But, uh, you know, I got a call, uh, I think, two days before the first game, which was Quebec on, a, I believe, a Saturday afternoon at the Spectrum. And uh, I had two practices with the team. The guys were, you know, kind of getting back in the swing of things. But they had, they were already practicing for a few days. So Bob, uh, have, you know, waited on, on calling up the guys from the minors uh, uh, at the time. So because they're probably doing a lot more conditioning stuff, I think, the first three days. And then I got a depth ready to practice. And that was uh, that was so that was work stoppage one. Um, and that now, was how, how uh, do you handle that. How do you handle that? At your you're 21. You came out of you know you played at Providence and you played for the Olympic team. So you're not an 18 year old kid, but you're still a young guy. You're 21. How do you handle like. You know, when things are out of your control, because that lockout, they locked you out. That was out of your control. So how do you kind of compartmentalize that mentally as a young player? Got, yeah. So so here's the comparison that I can lay and help people understand what's happening with the players. Now, there was the unknown with with the first lockout uh, in 94, because I didn't know when they'd come back. 
So you have to change your um, your thinking about it from a standpoint that, you know, hey, are we going to play? And if not, well, you have to make the best of it. So I think that's really where you, you come at. You have to believe that as, as, a, um, as a player that you're going to be prepared when that ends. So there's the unknown of that. And, right. um, and mentally, that's what I'm saying is you don't know what, when the stoppage is going to end. And you just have to yeah. focus on where you are in the moment and not worry about that. Because really, it's totally out of your control. It's, it's no. being taken care of by lawyers and everyone else. And then, so that, that's where your head's at. And you're 21, 22, and there's nothing you can do about it. And you understand that. Yeah, and, and that's no vacation, by the way, because you, you are things are out of your control. So I, I want to spin that to young players that are in the NHL right now, in particular young players on the Flyers. And, and they have a lot of them, guys like Joel Farabee. I mean, they got young players, Phil Myers and, and, and even, you know, yeah. Ivan Provost, young player, Konechny's a young player. Uh, for those guys in this situation, this is obviously out of their hands. There's a pandemic going on. Uh, how do they handle this time where they, they know they have eight weeks? But can you devoid yourself of hockey and kind of recharge mentally during this time? Uh, all while wondering, hey, are we coming back to finish this regular season? Are we coming back to just jump into a playoff? When is that going to be? How's it going to work? What's going to go on between now and then? Can you can you relax at this time? Uh, no. that See, that's the worst part for where they're at right now. See, for me in the first lockout, it was great. And when we talk about the second one as a player where we lost the whole year, I, I, I will totally lend to more of this side of it, Jason, than anything. They're going to have to stay in shape believing that there's going to be. But when the news starts getting more dire and dire, and when you actually physically see months running off the calendar, this is the one part that I can equate to. I, it becomes less and less. And that's yeah. one of the issues that I think for me becomes a major proponent of this is how do you gauge the conditioning level? How do you assess it that quickly? I mean, I, this is unpre unprecedented, uncharted waters we've never been in before. That yeah, being said, right. yeah. it, it just we've just never been there. Okay, so I, I think in, in the lockout, so um, let's move forward. So I already played like eight or ten years, whatever it was in the league, by the time the next lockout happened, right? So this one here, we're on the phone with Bob Goodnow, and Bob Goodnow, like a couple hundred guys every other night, is giving us information. So we initially probably got in shape in the summer. We got ready, uh, camp ready in the summer. We got locked out. Um, and then that's where everyone took two or three weeks off to just say, okay, well, nothing's going to happen quick because it's training camp. So nobody really cared anyway. Then it got real when you started missing paychecks. Yep. And, and, and then, you know, and then you're having meetings about you're having meetings about having meetings. And, and then you realize that that's where it's really odd. So I remember I said the one year, Keith Primo, a couple of others, Eric Weinrich, myself, we got a group of guys. It was, and Primo set it up. You know, he's a, uh, uh, I believe he was a captain coming off that good spring the, the year before. So he took care of it and, uh, and we went out. But that, that happened for like 60 days, like 45 days maybe. Guys started skating, and we were we weren't we tried to do some drills. We get like eight, 10, 12 guys, then you'd have some other guys come in and start playing pickup hockey with us. That eventually started to go down by when you got to December and Christmas time. I, I, I honestly got believe if they would have played again that year, it would have been some of the poorest conditioning you'd have ever seen in your life. Yeah, yeah. The further you get away, then you're starting to you're starting to doubt it, and you're like, why am I going to get up and go to the rink today? I'm training for something that's not going to happen. And then let me ask you this, because as a pro athlete and you've gone through it, whether it, whether it was an injury or whatever, 
you guys get out of shape, out of hockey shape, very quickly. These players right now, yeah, I mean, these players right now, Bundy, um, a lot of them are in self you know, isolated, and and you know they're doing the the NHL quarantine as directed by uh, the commissioner and the NHLPA. Uh, you may have some, you may maybe you have a Peloton in your house, but you get out of hockey shape at the snap of a finger. Uh, it doesn't. I, I've I've been there. I've I've gotten into situations in my career, different types of trainings over the years, where man, I was running five, six, seven miles a day in the summer before, and then you get the the training camp, and it felt no wor- no better. When yeah. you put your skates on for the first three or four days, it didn't. It didn't matter. Uh, there is absolutely a hockey shape, and then there is a, a different kind of uh, you know life shape, and nobody can really understand that unless you you know you go through a long schedule and and understand with practice every day, staying sharp. So that is absolutely one hundred percent a challenge for uh, for this group of, of of players in the league right now, uh, and and knowing what I knew back then, uh, you know, it, there's a level of concern to it as well. Yeah, no doubt. And, and the other thing, too, is th- then you can get in hockey shape in practice, but you're not in game shape. And that's a whole other story, let alone playoff hockey shape, which is one of the scenarios where they're talking about coming back and just kind of going off winning percentage and and throwing these guys right into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, but, but Bundy, when you look at it, too, and, and, you know, not being able to decompress mentally and all of these things, um, the player that has a harder time with that, is it the young guy who's got young legs and, you know, has got a younger body with a lot less wear and tear? Or is it the older guys that may have a harder time in the return and getting back to where they need to be? I think it's everybody, but I think the timing of the older player becomes more of a factor, certainly because, you know, staying sharp. You always hear about the older guys always doing that extra little bit, uh, you know, but I think everyone would get their legs together. The problem is the, the, the mental challenge of it the timing is becoming such a factor as we speak, because it just, I, I mean, you know, the, the proposal that we, you know, you and I have talked about the other day, just together in a friendly conversation. I mean, if that's the way it's going to be, um, and I don't believe that is, I mean, you're looking at 11 months, but if, if the players can get back, if something miraculous happens and we're back playing in, I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks, I, I which I doubt anyway, um, it's going to be it's going to be very very interesting to see how that they resume this whole process. I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody yeah. does. Yeah, that that's the thing. And and let me ask you about that because the players' proposal was to get back in training camp in early July, uh, finish out the regular season, then have the playoffs from August and September, then have your draft, your free agency period, new league year, and start a regular season of eighty-two games in November which I'm assuming would shade a little bit later into June than normal um, because of the late start. You can only compact games in. Talk about how that wear and tear. Now, look, two teams are going to have the month off. That's the cup finalist teams. And then, you know, there's going to be four teams that have the six weeks off. There's going to be a lot of teams that have uh, a decent amount of time off. And But there's a couple of things I want to ask you about that proposal. Number one, um, teams that aren't, playoff teams no matter what, how they finish this regular season like Detroit or they're gonna go through a, a training camp in July come back play 10 games and then sit around for two months and then have to go back to a training camp again Does it, I just can't see the viability of that from a player standpoint <laughs> I, I Jace I'm with you on that I, I mean <clears throat> it's a little bit mystifying in terms of the the duration I mean nobody's really factored in that you know I, I mean are we really gonna go play 11 straight months of hockey that's yeah. what my concern is. I mean, what's that going to do to the, you know, the health of, of and the well-being of, first of all, like 
you know, the league in general and, and the, the health of the players. I, we're not there yet. I mean, we're looking ahead. But, yeah, I mean, to to reopen a training camp. And then and so you're saying that if the two best teams or maybe they won't be the two best teams get to the Stanley Cup finals, they're going to have like three weeks to do all those things they need to do and then regroup for a training camp, a mini training camp again, the restart of season. Uh, I, it, it's certainly weird. Isn't it? It's just weird to think about it like that. Yeah, I mean, it's absurd, frankly. We're living <laughs> through an absurd situation. Um, but yeah. the interesting thing to me is this was a player's proposal, and apparently some board of governors were kind of on board with at least the timeline, and this obviously would need a lot of tweaking. Um, now, you didn't play under the newest CBA with the escrow, did you at all? No, no, I did not. Yeah, and I think that's what's driving this. Part of the part of the equation is, you know, they split the the profits 50-50 and the hockey related revenue. So certainly the players want to get as much hockey related revenue because they that means they get more, you know, the cap goes up and they get more escrow in return. If you're escrowing 20% of a guy like Jonathan Taves' contract, that's over 2 $2 million a season. You don't know what you're going to get in return. But somewhere along the line, um better judgment has to come in and not let money taint the judgment, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, you, you'd think so. I mean, it's just, there, there is, the escrow is a huge part of this, I guess, from it, and it does look the way it's laid out, like it's, you know, a way to try to find a way to get the last three or four paychecks. Um, I understand that from a player's standpoint, very much so. Um, but it's going to come to a point, I think we're, we're logistically, this just has to make sense. Um, there's so many other factors, right, that just have it that have that are going to play into it. You know, the, the resumption of other leagues. You know, I mean, you're going to stack your product up against if, if there's a baseball league. I mean, are we going to play Stanley Cup Finals in what was it? It's September, right? September, yeah, August, October. Yeah, late July, August. Playoffs. I mean, I mean, not yeah, to mention I mean, ice conditions. Ice conditions. You're going to be stacked up, you know, league-wise with uh, a lot of the marketing of it. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know where the decision comes in, where everybody finds a happy median. Um, it just, again, it goes back to we are living in, in times that are just, just absolutely crazy, just crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I don't know. I, I hope cool heads come together, but I hope they do something. Uh, you know, and, and one thing, I, I did listen to the podcast with Bill Daly the other day, and one of the things that he said uh, that made a lot of sense was, listen, we, we understand that we want to find some way to find resolution to the end of the season without chopping into the 2021 season. Um, yeah. You know, that that's that's the issue, right, is when you get into the, the part where you start getting into the next season. So um, that'll be a decision someone will have to make. Yeah, and they certainly want to culminate this one having played 70 games of it, and uh, by no fault of their own, it is on pause. Uh, Bundy, one of the situations, too, is it, it, or scenarios could be a 2014 playoff field, and there would be uh, basically a play-in situation. And when you go to 24, none of the teams that would get in would be under 500, so that's good. But uh, it would get teams like Montreal in the mix and Chicago in the mix, and that obviously adds – a lot of big markets and a lot of eyeballs. So again, that, you know, that's kind of a driving factor here as well. Uh, would you be in favor of some sort of jumping back in with, uh, you know, this crazy tournament where you'd have play in rounds and then they would eventually get down to the, the top eight in each conference. And it's like, it's kind of like a go big or go home. And when you consider yeah. that they're going to be like, you're going to have a situation here where, you know, okay, if the NHL is in their playoffs, you got to presume that then the NBA is going to be in theirs. Baseball is going to be winding down and go heading into their playoffs in September and October. And then also you got the, the kickoff of an NFL season to boot. 
I don't know that we've ever had such meaningful all four sports playing at the same time. You know, championship yeah. playoffs in two leagues uh, on the way to the playoffs in baseball and the, and the beginning of an NFL season. It's wild. Yeah, you know what? Who knows what uh, what dynamics this will change, right? The way the calendar years are viewed now. If it if it does it all, do they go back to the way the uh, things used to be? It's gonna be it's gonna be very. I, first of all, if I ask your question about the twenty four teams, I, I'm all for it as long as it makes sense. As long as it makes sense for the fans, first of all. As long as it makes uh, it makes sense for the for the owners and for the players. Uh, if they're looking for finality and there's a window to do this where players still get to mentally see right now, the one thing they're not having, there's no mental rest. They're waiting to play. They're waiting to hear what's going on. Yeah. Um, the summer's different. You know, we know we start on this day, so we're getting ourselves prepared physically, but we're resting our heads. Um, there, that, that doesn't really happen yet. As for the play in. Yes. I like that idea. If the, if the fans and the players and the owners can get together on the same page and say, okay, this, this is what we're going to do. And everybody has to buy into it, but it's got to be quick. You can't make this a two-month drawn-out playoff. It's got to happen fast uh, to try to get some some closure to the end of this year, where even the losing teams don't feel like they got shafted at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, you know what's odd about that too. The twenty-four team thing. It could be a harbinger of what's to come. If it if it came in and was tremendously exciting, that's I what I mean. See- yeah, I could see the league yeah. adopting it going forward because, look, you say, you know, when you have Seattle come in, it's only going to be half the teams in the league that make the playoffs. And while that, that seems logical in a lot of sense, you know, there was times in this league when obviously there was, you know, 20 teams and 16 were making it, you know. So right, it, right. if it worked out right and uh, it was great for the fans and the excitement and hey, you never know, you know anything I- can happen in a pre-game series. <laughs> Look at and, and you know what? Listen, they're, they're, every these sports are modifying a lot of ways, and you're right, Jace. Who knows, right? What it'll lead to. Look at the NBA All Star Game this year. Um, yeah. Something that I would just never watch. My entire family was in the living room jumping around, uh, you know, to play to that final score. You know, where they they had they changed the rules this year. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Really, really cool to see that. And uh, you know, so who knows? You know, I mean, maybe there'll be some good out of uh, out of something. But I, I just feel like I. July and August just don't feel like hockey months. That might be another thing that people are afraid to say. Yeah, no, you're dead right about that. That's the that's the get ready for hockey months. <laughs> you know, yeah, you start to just, crave it coming back. Yeah, yeah, you're getting ready for it, chopping it a bit, but you do get a little mental break from it, the fans, and then it always seems like that's, you know, golf is what hockey players do in the offseason. So it's strange times, buddy. It's really strange yeah. times. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you joining us, Bundy. Um, you know, I, to get your perspective on this, a guy who played uh, so many years in the league and you went through s- some weird circumstances, did so as a broadcaster as well. We'll see how it plays out, man, and we'll, we'll be keeping in touch with you here on Flyers Daily, and thanks for doing this. You got it, Chase. Have a great week. We'll talk soon, buddy. Special thanks to Chris Terrian for joining us on Flyers Daily. Again, coming up next week, we'll go to a Monday, Wednesday, Friday format. And uh, we'll bring you player profiles and Twitter questions and all the latest news and updates from around the NHL as they happen. In the meantime, everybody, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy uh, thinking about hockey. And we'll talk to you next time on Flyers Daily. Thanks.